That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed in a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Welcome to another what is hopefully going to be amazing episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as well, Sfio. Today, I am here with two of uh, the other Inverse Genies themselves. Uh, we're going to start the person whose idea this, well, we're going to lay at his feet, uh, Bruce Vogue. Hey, uh, is this the first episode after the holiday? Um, sure. Yeah. After the, uh, the Labor Day holiday where we chose not to labor. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to note to everyone, there was not a show on Labor Day that was 100% my fault. I want to apologize to everyone formally right now. Don't you dare put that on the Donald Dennis. Not his fault. 100% my fault. I hope we bring enough with this episode that you're fine with the break. Until you said anything, they thought it took off because of the holiday, not because you were trying to form a union out from under me. That's... You know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare <laughs> power to the people. I'm not sure which people, but definitely power to them. Absolutely. Yes. Comrade. <laughs> uh, I mean, having, well, no, we're not going there anyway. Um, so excellent. Speaking of people, the other people that we have is Bob Wyman. Hey, Bob, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Hooray. So uh, real quick, everybody, uh, one place where you would like to be found. We'll start with Bruce. Uh, hey, let's make it Twitter this time. At Bruce Go Thinks on Twitter. Bob? Uh, I'll also be on Twitter because uh, you won't think it to message me unless you're already messaging Bruce Go Thinks. I'm Bob Wyman, W-I-E-M-A-N. And still Walsfio there, yes. Excellent. So uh, we should talk about some stuff. There's a lot of entertainment that has been happening uh, with the downfall of summer. And I've had so many shows that I've been watching. And I don't have a topic besides, holy mackerel, there's a lot of entertainment happening right now. And, um, you know, there's even a new season of the Great British Baking Show that's about to drop uh, one episode at a time, like maple syrup over on Netflix. But, uh, yeah, so what what have you all been up to in your uh, geeky lives? Uh, so if we're just talking about like shows and TV and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I have been watching RuPaul's Celebrity Hidden Drag Race, RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Oh, where are you watching that? So that is on VH1. Uh, it is one of the regular VH1 shows. And here's what they've done. They sort of have taken. Now, I will argue Maybe once the dust settles in a few years, we'll look back and this may be the moment that RuPaul's Drag Race jumped the shark. But essentially they've taken uh, everything that makes RuPaul's Drag Race fun, but none of the emotional part. And they've combined it with the Masked Singer. uh, Which I think like takes out the important emotional aspects of what's made RuPaul's drag race, a great show, but it does lean very heavy into the drag performance aspects. They've taken, uh, I believe at the beginning, we're halfway through now, maybe a little more. Uh, they have a bunch of celebrities. They all get completely dragged up. 
They have drag mothers that are champions from the show and they come out and do performances. And if you're the one that loses uh, after having to do a lip sync for your life, if your performance wasn't good enough, uh, they reveal who you were and then kind of discuss the process of uh, going from who you were to being a drag queen. So it's all like that one episode that happened every season of RuPaul's Drag Race, but that's the whole series. Yes, it's a little bit like that and a little bit like they did at one point they did a like a three episode celebrity thing. Right. Um and that one was much more emotional. It was taking sort of very C-tier celebrities and kind of working them through drag and then like learning about their sort of battles with gender and how this is changing how they feel about gender in society and all that. We've eliminated Every last bit of that. Uh, We have squeaked it up clean into an honest to goodness performance game show. And that's what we've done. I think it's fun. I think some of what has drawn people to RuPaul's Drag Race is sort of the stories of the people that get into this art form. None of that is here. But if you're just looking for some good old fashioned fun, uh, it is a hoot. But once again, if you I wouldn't make this any. I don't know if if I want to say I wouldn't make this anyone's first foray into drag race but maybe this is the great stepping point because it it lets you see the performance first but it is fun to see some of the people they have i don't want to ruin anything uh, but it's some actors and some people that are already known as performers but are now trying a form of performance that is also drag so cool thing to see that's been kind of the thing i've really been nerding out on past uh the other thing i'll mention i've been going to mention it like 10 times i'll only talk about it for a split second here is uh is on uh on all your video game systems uh, MLB the show has created the the group of breadcrumbs to trap me in the grind monster. Uh-oh. <laughs> so that that is what I do. I am now playing miserable, thankless games of baseball so that I can get enough innings under my belt to get a trading card of somebody I don't know because I don't currently watch baseball. But somehow I've justified this to myself and it's been wonderful. Oh, they've wow. tied it to your traded cards. So, and I do, and thank goodness because I'm on Xbox, I didn't have to spend any money for it. So it right. is literally taking my trading. It's like part trading card game, part just trading cards, and like just and just a sousant of baseball, just enough baseball uh, <laughs> that it's in bite sized pieces. If you want it to be, it can be like a one minute interaction, which is exactly the amount of baseball I want. Uh, MLB the show. Uh, it's a it's a real addiction. Hmm. Well, how, how about you, Bob? Well, uh, since we were on the reality show kick, uh, we making the cut just finished. And my wife has always been a big fan of um, the Heidi Klum, Tim Gunn uh, series of things from Project yep. Runway. And, and now they do making the cut. And my son really dug making the cut also. And I, I tried to temper his enthusiasm because he, he became a fan of one designer and I'm like, they might not pick him. And if they don't, you're going to be bummed out. But they picked him. And now my son is convinced he knows much more about fashion than I ever will. Well, I mean, if he All knows more than I do, true. You know, so there's that. Uh, whew, okay. Um, so I, I have been watching. I've got a list here. Let's see. Uh, uh, Eric mentioned Only Murders in the Building Season 2. Mm-hmm. Watched it, loved it. I think even more than I liked season one. 
which is, is, is a tall order. So yeah, I really liked only murders in the building. It felt like the whole set uh, setting really was much more of a character than it was in season one. And so I really liked it. Um, go check that out and go listen to Eric talk about it on a previous episode. If you haven't heard that one already. The other big thing that I've been watching or finished watching, and I'm now listening to, to my favorite podcaster, uh, TV podcast industries talk about is Sandman, which is on Netflix based on one of my favorite series of graphic novels uh, that, that I read way back when I was in high school and college when they were new. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, yeah. If, if either one of you been watching that, I think Bob has. I, I have, I have the floppies uh, of the Sandman. I had to watch the series. The series is amazingly true to the comics um, in the, you know, that early run. And I, I loved it a lot. I love the um, choices of actors in basically every respect. And, yes. you know, I felt the changes were very slight, but they didn't make it worse. They made it better. So much in the way of outrage, uh, there has been quite a bit over this because of changes. Now, because Neil Gaiman is the original writer of the comics and he's the showrunner on this, I, I don't feel like that there were any bad decisions that were made for any of the stuff you're talking to. Now, I will say that when I started watching it, I had high hopes that I would get the same character that played, you know, that was death in the comics and graphic novels. And I was like, well, all right, but I trust this showrunner. I'm, I'm going to, I know that she's, that it's a different characterization because the, the actress couldn't be a perky goth that was the one that was representing the comics. And I have to say that they knocked it out of the park. It is, uh, even though it is not what I was wanting sort of with, to get my nostalgia fix that, that that actress did a wonderful job. And I hope that we get to see her in that role a lot more. But it was like, oh, but I kind of wanted this other thing. Like, no, no, I like this too. Um, I'm not going to be not going to be mad about it. And uh, there was also some controversy over Satan, uh, or who played Lucifer rather. And I have to say that uh, the only thing bad about Lucifer was some of the costumes uh, that they put Lucifer in uh, were a little iffy, but the rest of it was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Loved I it thought so that much. was a really that was an example of a a scene that you see in a comic book and you're like, well, you can't make that into a movie. <laughs> and they did at, as good a job as I can imagine doing sort of making that in a, in a realistic form, in a non-comic form. It was really, it, but I mean, just like in the comics, it was very hand wavy. It's like, we're going to convince you that this is the kind of thing that we're showing you without actually showing it to you. Right. Um, Which, and, and it worked very well. Brilliant. So yeah, uh, this isn't your kind of thing. Is it Bruce? So it's not not my kind of thing. I just don't have Netflix. Uh, so that's oh. the only reason I haven't seen it. The only thing I've seen is, and once again, tying it back to the other thing I talked about, uh, the drag queens Trixie and Katia are yes. paid by Netflix to watch a whole bunch of things and do like 25-minute shows about them. And I saw the Trixie and Katia watch uh, Sandman. Oh. And I wanted to see it more because they were amazed by it and just kept saying, this is what it looks like when you get all the money to produce whatever you want and you get to see <laughs> your vision. Because they were like, we get to watch, and they really do. They make them watch every major and most minor things that come through Netflix. And they're like, we've watched 
most everything on here and you've never see a case where you feel like you got to see an artist with all the money and all the resources they wanted to make the thing they wanted. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's weird though. I mean, I am constantly forced to remind myself television budget, movie budget. Yes. And, and Sandman feels like it's sort of in between, right? There's uh, some characters like Goldie where you go, okay, the animation on that was not necessarily great. Still bought it, still sort of fell into, you know, it was still um, stylistically good enough that I didn't care, right? And I think Mm -hmm. that that I am now much more tolerant of um, this is what they're trying to get across versus I want it to be absolutely perfect. Um, which will come well, up later in the show, I'm sure. <laughs> and and sort of to carry on with that, I think that um, it was almost so true to the comics mm. that it highlighted the 2D nature of comics. Like, oh wait, that's Dream and Death on the bench. I've I have seen that exact picture. Therefore, you have hit it. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't need Goldie to be three dimensional because I remember the flat one. You know what I right. mean? Yes. And, and oh, yeah, I think, that's, that's absolutely true. I think that they did a really good job of you d- uh, sort of going away from kind of like the MCU kind of recreated a, mo- a movie style right. that is not comics and is, but is about comics or, or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, we're not going to do that. We're going to do a TV show that is definitely not a comic, but, reminds you so much of the comic that you don't mind when things right. don't look like the perfect CGI. So uh, one warning for those of you who haven't watched it. I mean, we've tried to be relatively non-spoiler. We mentioned some names and a couple of characters, but not, not gone into too much detail. Um, so much of this series, every episode sort of stands alone. It's like, there is a through line, but it feels a little more like, Oh, we're telling this kind of story now or we're doing that. Uh, Neil Gaiman was really finding his feet when he was, he was writing it. And you feel that in this, that he has got a much better hand on what he's doing, but he's still trying to make a feast out of what was a bunch of, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's make a great story and hope the next month's episode comes together. Um, or next month's issue comes together, uh, in future, uh, seasons, if it gets one, and we don't know at this point if it's going to get one, that um, there's more of a, ah, yes, this all fits together, and it's not just random stories where we've got a couple of characters that you might find familiar. So, yeah. Um, and, of course, the last few episodes of the season is one arc. That's, I guess, the other thing to say. Yeah, I, and one thing that I would throw out there, because I think that you may or may not have picked up this flavor, but uh, Sandman's a horror show. And it weird tales does it's weird tales it, with here's the problem. It yes. is, it, it, it is occasionally like this fantastic s- mythical story, like a weird tale about, you know, the embodiment of the, the creation, the thing that makes dreams, but there's also horror in it and there's pretty explicit and, and it will turn on a dime. You can, watch an episode and say, Oh, nice, nice. nice. Ah, and you need oh, yeah. to know that's there. <laughs> if, uh, if that's I, not I, your I, cup of tea. Oh, and actually that's a good point. Um, it is more like a weird tale sort of thing that has huge horror spikes in it. But if you yeah. are sque- if you are squeamish, 
um, uh, the the ep- the two episode things to skip are the ones that deals with the asylum and the one that deals with the diner. Yeah, and the diner's twenty four seven, and it's intense. Just and it is intense. So <laughs> yeah, otherwise uh, it's not as horrifically gruesome as you might think. All right. Um, so uh, what else have we been watching? I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a couple here really quick. Uh, this latest season of Harley Quinn is finishing up. Uh, it seems like the humor is a little less highbrow than it was previously, but uh, they really delved into her highbrow is the wrong way to put it. Uh, a, little a little less dumber. highbrow, a little less, a little, Charlie a little dumber. high quality wit right here. <laughs> well, okay. It's a little dumber. They've gone for some of the easier, for some of the easier, more vulgar jokes. So I love it. Um, but in the last couple episodes, they've really dealt with her actually being a skilled, uh, skilled therapist. And so that's been a lot of fun. Um, been watching below decks, uh, or I'm sorry, lower decks, the star Trek, um, the, the star Trek animated thing that's come back out, uh, still quite possibly for some people, the best star Trek that they have ever seen. Uh, as long as you don't always want to focus on the main plot line and, uh, let's see, what else have I watched? Oh, I've watched, uh, swords and armor, a couple swords and armor shows. Are you either watching either one of these watching those? Uh, my son's a big Tolkien fan. Un- unlike Bruce, I'm guessing. <laughs> you know my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I have a I have a Lord of the Rings uh, hyper fan who's listening to me read him Silmarillion, which no no human should have to be subjected to, but he asks for it, mm. and uh, so he is all about Rings of Power. He thinks it's great. But, and, and you know, I'm I'm there with him. I'm not. <laughs> not no complaints the first episode right. okay a little boring second episode started to get interesting third episode i had fun so yeah okay. i think it's going to get better and better um unlike house of the dragon which never gets fun but is getting better <laughs> <laughs> so you're, um, you're not sold on house of the dragon uh, like I said, are you a fan of game of thrones at all i mean i watched it all or did it not grab well yeah. that's a big fan so, um, I watched, you know, Connie's watched it all twice or three times and I've had to listen to it every time. Um, so yeah, if you had told me when I was in high school that I would have this lineup of interesting stuff to watch over the course of a week and plus some of the stuff we're going to talk about here in a minute, I would have called you a big old liar or thought, um, you know, thought that the future was the best place ever. And then we hit 2020 <laughs> um, that uh, it is amazing that even, you know, even if, if, if game of Thrones or house of the dragon was the only thing that was available, we'd still have high quality show. I would probably be watching it avidly every week, but because we are so spoiled for choice for everything else that's going on, I get to go. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Whatever. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, the, we live in a, in an amazing world. Like you say, there's so much out there. And some of it, you know, speaks to you personally, right? Like, <laughs> this is Absolutely. your show. It's the best, whichever one. I'm catching up on Westworld as well. Um, if you gave up because the previous season of Westworld was just too weird and made no sense, uh, we're back to uh, to robot people doing things with weird jumps in time. Uh, but you, you kind of know what they're doing, sort of. So check that out. It is also gross and horrific. Um, so yeah, there's that Bruce, have you been watching anything else or I'm going to give one more recommendation. I somehow ended up with thanks to 
something else I got a subscription to Showtime. Ooh. Uh, which there's not a ton there, but there's one thing I want to point out. Um, I'm about halfway through, but I find it fascinating. It's called You're Watching Video Music Box. Here's the deal in New York on public New York access television, at the dawn of hip hop, was Video Music Box. And this was the very first show documenting hip hop as it was happening. Oh, uh, okay. one of the things they have in their archive is Nas and Biggie rapping together because they were about to be a duo on, I can't remember the name of the duo, but Nas is talking about, it. he's like, Oh, that's why we keep saying this so many times because we were about to come out as a duo. And then we just decided to kind of go our separate ways and became two of the biggest rappers and, uh, marks on the zeitgeist ever. <laughs> um, but the whole thing is about the filmmaker and the person behind it that was like at the very beginning of the explosion of New York hip hop and watching as all of these people kind of come together and how uh, video music box becomes the thing for a lot of New Yorkers. And then eventually the rest of the East coast to learn about what in the world hip hop was. Um, it's to the point to where I think they were talking about some of the footage here, possibly going into like the National Archives. It's that kind of a deal where Ooh. it's that important to sort of the fabric of the culture of the United States uh, that I had never heard of it. And I'm a hip hop fan. I listen to a lot of this stuff. I lived in Baltimore. So some of the radio station stuff, they would play, you know, like a DJ that played New York and they would play, you know, like all the local stations would cover the same feed. Um, so I'd even heard some of this stuff, but I'd never heard it because I didn't live in New York. And where would I have found it? Um, but a fascinating thing if you're a hip hop fan and you didn't uh, cross Video Music Box, uh, you're watching Video Music Box, two hour documentary put together uh, by I think uh, executive produced by Nas. Uh, well worth checking out, especially if that '90s hip hop is kind of uh, where your head's at. Huh? You're watching Video Music Box. Um, yep. That sounds pretty amazing. I will never watch it. Uh, but you know, I think that it's, it's cool that it's there. We're in a beautiful time where the media speaks right to you, (laughs) man. That's a, that was well said, Bruce. (laughs) Yeah. You're thank you. I heard it somewhere. Wise beyond your years. Nice. Uh, Bob, did you have anything else? I am a nerd for British and British adjacent murder mystery stuff. Okay. Like I like cozy murder mysteries, like only murders in the building. I would describe as that way. Um, okay. And there's and so uh, there's one that I'm watching now called Darby and Joan, which if you like Australian vistas and sort of they apparently there's a whole term called gray nomads, which means little old people who go around jessica fletcher like and and knows into business and do stuff <laughs> like solve <laughs> mysteries and whatnot <laughs> i and, love that that's a genre right <laughs> this is them there's some some old people in a caravan going across australia there's a through line of like a mystery that they're interested in but there's also like oh hey we ran into some people their kid goes missing we sort that out <laughs> All, all the mystery solving with less police. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it reminds me of uh, Eric mentioned something on the previous one of a different set, but clearly in that same genre of, uh, you know, a, a, his was a series of books, but it was some retirees who have sort of right. a murder club where they, they read some cold cases and they 
nose around and because they're little old people, they can get away with going places that they shouldn't go and say, Oh, sorry, I was confused. <laughs> yeah. That was by the guy who was on uh, Richard. What's his name? Who was on Osmond. Uh, Osmond. Yep. yep. So nice. Well, okay. So uh, I guess the big topic, the one I really wanted to get into, and apparently we've all been watching, and then we'll talk a little more Marvel stuff after the end if we got time, is She-Hulk. Seems like that's that's the topic of the day. I've just been having a blast with this show. Um, what about uh, the two of you? We'll start with Bob this time. Uh, I'm a big comics nerd. Uh, I'm so I. I know this. I I was a She-Hulk fan when it was comic books, and I also am an Orphan Black fan when it was Tatiana Maslany, who is the character, the actress who plays She-Hulk. And so She-Hulk is great. It hits a lot of buttons of uh, sort of a what's it? Sassy isn't quite the right word, but but a a superhero that is not like overwhelmed with superhero-ness you know what i mean she's like a little bit irreverent a little bit flippant yeah flippant is a good way to put it like yeah 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 i'm a big green powerhouse that's not important right now what's important right now is (laughs) yeah lawyer show (laughs) bruce so i i was a fan of comic books at the time she was out i didn't necessarily read uh, She-Hulk, and I've specifically avoided source material now when we come into these, so I'm not mad about something I think should have happened. I don't want to feel that way. And I love this. The thing, and I think we've talked about it before, that Marvel is, there's two things I think they're really getting right. Number one, they're stealing the way comics built it. Build 20 characters in their own books, then make a 20-book crossover. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. That's brilliant that I don't know why no one ever thought of. of get, give them their own book. Make it so you care about them. Then make it so you care about the next one. Then make it so you care about the third one. Then have all three of them meet each other somewhere. Uh, the other thing is, is they're doing such a good job of saying, we're superheroes, but. Okay, so the last time that there was probably this much saturation of a type of story may have been like the Westerns of the forties and 50. Like that was the last time where everything coming out was the same sort of thing. Um, and I think they're doing a great job of saying we're superheroes, but it's a spy thriller. We're superheroes, but it's a buddy cop movie. We're superheroes, but it's a slice of life sitcom. We're superheroes, but it's the outer limits. And I think yeah. that's what they did well here is they're like, we're superheroes, but it's also Ally McBeal. Um, And I know that's the easiest parallel to draw. And I I didn't watch a lot of Ally McBeal, but I see everybody else saying it. But I think they're proving to you we can be superhero and also slice of life sitcom, which I think is just super cool to see. I think that that it's I may almost be the opposite of that. It's like we're doing slice of life uh, sitcom, but superhero, especially with with this one, because they're definitely trying to. not and in fact, I'm surprised that they made her boss made her. Oh, there's going to be some spoilers for the She-Hulk, for the She-Hulk. Oh discussion. God, yeah. Um, so so get ready. But I think that I was real surprised when her boss said instead of in the comics saying you can't be She-Hulk, said you have to be She-Hulk when you're here because I'm like those words changed 
cost you millions of dollars of production <laughs> right mm-hmm. there. But on the other hand, you get the opposite effect of what happened in New Moon Knight, which was everybody going, there's no Moon Knight in my Moon Knight. I'm so upset at no Moon Knight in my Moon Knight. It's like, get back <laughs> to your comic books. Because there's no Moon Knight in the Moon Knight comics either. Most of the time, he's not dressed as Moon Knight, so suck it up. Um, but that the, they decided we're going to to do this. And I think that by and large that the, the special effects that they've done on She-Hulk are amazingly amazing. You know, you see, you look at what they've done with Hulk and stuff and she's got a lot more screen time and a lot more up close personal mm-hmm. Hulk can look great at half a mile down the street, blowing things up or beating things away. But whenever you see Hulk at the diner eating, you know, a 300 egg omelet, he looks kind of bad too, right? As much mm-hmm. as I like it. I mean, yeah. in cons- things. So just surprising they chose the, you know, let's spend a lot more money on special effects and give the people what they want. Who'd have thought? Well, but I, I like your take on it's it's a lawyer show or it's a slice of life sitcom, but superheroes. Like it's, um, and and I, this sets up like the the series of she is a lawyer, but she's a lawyer in the Marvel universe doing, you know, running into the legal issues of people with, you know, as guardians around the corner or whatever. And um, I think that that's, that's always been a neat genre that, that does not sell comics, but that is every once in a while, they'll come out with something that says, you know, Hey, all these buildings get broken down. Someone needs to pick them up. Uh, Hey, if if you actually go and you're an alien and you shapeshift in something, that's that's technically fraud. Somebody could sue you, and you need yes, She-Hulk exactly. to be there in the in the courtroom if that happens. <laughs> so, and if you look at the comics, they've kind of done this because Spider-Man, Peter Parker was definitely what high school student then college student who had to deal with being a superhero, and I think that's kind of where we are in the shows now at this point. And I think even in the MCU, they've tried this before, before they had the budgets because they had agents of shield. And that was supposed to be what happens to the far left and far right of superheroing. And I think the problem there was, was they were like, Hey, we're, we're a procedural show. Others, they're superheroes, right? We're a procedural show. (laughs) And I think that's what it was. It was missing that pixie dust of having enough superheroing in to feel like it's a part of the MCU. Uh, Because that's how it always felt to me was I was like, okay, I'm perfectly cool with you're the secret government organization that's like running around to figure out what's going on with the Asgardian stuff that's just dropping into the desert. And you go to whatever uh, crazy part of town where all of a sudden a vortex has opened up. Like, I love that premise. And then they just never delivered the superhero part. Uh, and I right. think that's what this is doing really well is I don't feel like it's not a superhero show, but right. it's also not really a superhero show. But she tells you, dude, it's not a superhero show. She, every episode she insists while yep. show. Uh, and uh, Which, they've also done some amazing cameos in this, but go ahead, Bob. What? Well, yeah, I would say I like sort of combining your comments. I want to say you're both incredibly right. And <laughs> That right. uh, the the problem, so to speak, like Agents of Shield, to a large extent, was not bad, but yeah. it was what it was, and it didn't sort of give you that feeling because it didn't. You know, you occasionally had an Asgardian who weirdly looked like a normal person, rather than Thor showing up or yep. or somebody that you recognize from some movie showing up, and 
She-Hulk has the budget and has the special effects and says, yeah, somebody that has from somewhere is showing up uh, to be the defendant or the whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And and that really sort of amps it up and sets it where it is. And the thing I'm curious about is, like you said, they, it's been twisted a little bit where she is emphasizing, I'm a normal person. I just happen to be in this world and therefore be green sometimes, but I'm really just a normal person trying to make my way in this lawyer life, which is a bit of a twist from the comic book character where the, the sort of exciting thing about the comic book character was, well, Hulk's angry all the time. Hulk has issues all the time. Hulk is rage and fury and, and is problematic. And I love this. I am big and buff and it's great. I'm not changing right. back because I like being big and green and awesome. And she hasn't like, she's got a different feel in the, in the series. And I'm intrigued where it's going to go. Well, I mean, so if we look at this whole thing is it started like, Oh, she uh, won a case, but then she lost the case and then she lost her job and then she got a new job. And now she has to behave in a certain way. And then she got a case that she hates, and then she has to deal with her crappy coworkers, and then this, that, and the other. Um, she still hasn't gotten her wardrobe or her living arrangements settled out to where she can live as She-Hulk at this point. So I expect that if we get a season two, hopefully we do, it is hilarious, uh, that that she's going to have made enough money, gotten enough fame, that she has to get a secure house or a secure place. I think she had, might have had a fancy apartment or something. You know, go to the Baxter building, get herself an apartment. Right. Then she will be more in the, I'm more often in Hulk in my leisure act- activity time. But right now her furniture just can't hardly stand it. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not not good. And one plus that's sort of the running theme through what we're seeing in this set of Marvel. You know, so you're, you're taking a look at, at the very beginning, Falcon... Uh, possibly taking on the mantle of Captain America and not feeling comfortable with that. You were seeing Moon Knight not comfortable with being multiple people. You're seeing uh, Miss Marvel trying to deal with the fact of like who she is as a kid and as a kid of color in New York, but also a superhero. And what does that mean to me and my community? And how, what can this be? And now you're seeing it again with, with, um, with She-Hulk of how do I deal with being this woman, but also this, uh, this Hulk creature, which one do I want to be? Which one can I be? Are there advantages I can exploit from one or the other? And I think eventually you're going to see all of these characters have to deal. I mean, because it's just it's the way that this is all set up. Some horrible, terrible happens and they yeah. all have to go. Now's the time I have to put all that behind me and team up to, to beat whatever the next bad is. Um, so and I think it's going to need to see it just from different perspectives as each person's finding a way to deal with what being a superhero means to them. What I find interesting is what you just described. I imagine is what what's the the name of the guy in charge of the Marvel stuff? Feige. Feige. Yeah. yeah. Is that Kevin Feige? Feige. Yes, Kevin Feige. Is that uh, he probably feels like, oh my gosh, I just pulled off the biggest hat trick in cinematic history with <laughs> Marvel's phases one through whatever, right? Yeah. And and all the way through Infinity War, and now they want me to do. I just got turned into my own superhero here. And now they want me to take over Star Wars. No, that was the <laughs> other guy. Now they want, but they want me to do this again, and I have to keep going on this whole thing. And so, mm-hmm. all of them are dealing with this legacy 
they don't know how to deal with. And it, it's almost as though every single TV show that we've seen and all of the movies are really about dealing with the past. They're about dealing yeah. about with what has come before. You know, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Shang-Chi and what his father did and his, and what his mother got up to. You've got uh, yeah, the Eternals who deal with, well, what they did. But it was so long ago, it was like it was someone else. You know, and so it sort of feels like this whole series is going to be not just passing the torch, but dealing with the mess that has come before mm-hmm. that uh, that's interesting. Your, your comments sort of spurred that whole thought on me is that, well, well let me tell you how I'm excited and worried about that possibility. Right. I, and this is, uh, you know, this is the curmudgeonly guy. I'm, I'm shaking my fist at this, at the cloud right now, but um, you're playing Scott today. I get it. The okay. nature of comics is that comics are so burnt, especially like the Marvel comics and the DC comics specifically, that they are so burdened by the endless legacy. There are so many characters, most of whom we maybe should have just forgot about, but they're they're there somewhere, and every it's hard to write a new story without it somehow. But how does this impact the X Men? And how does it do? There's everything is interweaving plot lines of stuff that has, you know, I'm going to make a callback to something that happened 15 years ago. And, and I feel like it's, it's almost breaking under its own weight Um, that nobody, you know, you can't tell a story in the, uh, you know, main time stream that isn't so burdened with everything in the past that, you're kind of asking, you're kind of pre-trolling yourself saying it's not as good as whatever came out 20 years ago. Well, and everyone's going to do that, you know, or if you try to make a slice of life show that doesn't directly tie into the next seven movies, everyone's mad at you because how does this continue the plot line of the next thing I'm going to see? Like, Oh, well it doesn't. She's just a, she's just a big green lawyer. Right. And, and every once in a while she does a thing over here, that you don't know or care about. It's like daredevil, you know, we're like, there's a whole thing happening over here, but it has nothing to do with the big picture. Every once in a while, like the newspapers, the same, and that's all you need to worry about. Yeah. That would see, that would be like, I'm, I'm afraid of the, Oh, we've got to put it all back together. Cause we've got mm-hmm. to recreate Avengers and, and that moneymaker. When part of me is like, they could all come together deal with the past in some kind of way. And I'm okay with a hard reboot that says, and you know what? I feel self-actualized and I don't care what happened in any of the past movies. I'm going to live my life the way I feel like. <laughs> so you just have to hope the money moves that way. Cause if the money doesn't move that way, it's not happening. We're in the big studio system now. I know right? that's my fear, right? I'm afraid it's not going to be that way. Well, so one of the things I love that, that, that Marvel has done, and it, and it irritates a lot of people, but I love it, um, <laughs> is is that they constantly throw out little hooks, right? It's like, mm-hmm. th- this is something we don't know where it's coming from. Like when they put the Infinity Gauntlet in Odin's repository, and it ended up not being the right Infinity Gauntlet because it was the wrong hand or whatever the reason was. Yeah. Um, because it just didn't work out. that It made sense for them to make the movie where Thanos comes and gets the infinite, whatever happened. Right. Um, and 
they keep throwing out little bits or pieces here and you go, Oh, this could turn into that. It could turn into something else. It could be this character, the werewolf or, uh, you know, uh, hobgoblin or any one of a thousand other things. And they don't have to touch any of that nonsense. And unlike comic books, which have to, every series has to put out 12 issues a year mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you, even if we get 12 episodes of TV shows a year, that's nothing compared to the output that Marvel had at its heyday when it was releasing, what, 30 titles right. a month? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how many they were doing. Yeah, more I'm, than that. It was, out, it, was, it was out of control, and I would say it's not, not out of control now. <laughs> right. But now those are testbed products where if they don't lose money, they can keep producing them until they decide, will this or won't this make a good movie? Sure. And I'm okay with that. Um, and the other thing about the... The, you know, the whole She-Hulk specifically bringing it back around to that is I love that they are pointing out other things. We got the first notice of trying to not go back too far. Cause I know Bob hasn't seen the latest one, but they mention stuff that has happened in previous movies. Um, and especially when they talk about the, uh, yeah, you should go ahead and represent him. I was a different person back then, literally because <laughs> it was played by a different actor in a different movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so they're not afraid to to notice all of these things. And for those of you who don't know, She-Hulk does the whole breaking the fourth wall thing, which she did before Deadpool. So if you're a Deadpool fan who's <laughs> raging about it, um, then sorry, you're as late to the party as Deadpool was. Um. <laughs> In addition to what you're saying, I think that She-Hulk is having a lot of fun being fun. Mm-hmm. It's just having so much fun being fun, whether it's breaking the fourth wall to, and I agree with you, upset Deadpool fans that never knew anything about the comic books. <laughs> and to do the like, cause literally when he says I was, I was like, I was a whole different person. Then she literally looks at the camera yeah. and gives it like a, yeah, of course we're going to do that joke. I know what he's talking about. I know a different actor played him <laughs> like a full fourth wall break, which is just fun to see. Um, oh. Yes, Donald. So, uh, that uh, literally was not in the script. He added that himself. He's like, I was nice. a whole different person then. And then Mark Ruffalo added literally. Uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, continue. No, and I think just this one more so than especially the TV stuff we've been getting lately uh, is having a lot of fun being fun. Uh, to me in the mo in the big moments of WandaVision, where you got the reveal and there was like a whole music score that went with it. And you were like, this is everybody having fun. Uh, it feels to me like She-Hulk's having a lot more of those. Of like, let's just have a ton of fun with this and damn the torpedoes. And mm-hmm. I'm loving it. Um, I don't know how much we're going to reveal here, but there is a cameo in one of the episodes of a well-known uh, rapper <laughs> who I hope is Dazzler. I hope she's Dazzler for a half a second, uh, and that's why she's in it. There are parts of the thing, everyone's upset about it because she's hanging out with She-Hulk, and they're dancing together, and I hope the reason she's in She-Hulk's office is because she needs a superhero (laughs) attorney, and it's because we learn for like one music video that she's Dazzler, and then Dazzler never comes back again. That would be brilliant. That would be amazing. Yeah, go, uh, so Donald has an immediate follow-up, and then I have a follow-follow-up. Oh, I was going to say, there's also another cate- uh, candidate for Dazzler that we just met um, that Bob hasn't met yet, because Madison 
could also be a Dazzler <laughs> candidate, but we, we won't talk about that because, uh, but um, I would prefer that um, Megan the South Stallion, who I didn't know was a real performer yes. until the end credits when I heard the song playing, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't someone Marvel made up. No. And, and I think yeah. that's the beauty is the person that Dazzler is supposed to be in the comic books is who Megan the Stallion is. <laughs> like multinational known artist. That's what's supposed to be part of Dazzler, far as I know. I will let any of the comic people correct me. But that's what I've always been told is that she was already supposed to be like an international supermodel type. Yeah. And also was a mutant. I would love that, that they managed to get Megan the Stallion to do that even if dazzler goes nowhere uh just think like oh no we actually found a real person from your world <laughs> to do that this would be so i mean this idea frankly kevin is should be listening because because you two are brilliant but <laughs> the um you could set this up right this could be like uh so nerd thing sometimes in the comic books there's a character and they're sort of a mystery character and you're like is it is it Ned? Is it Steve? Who is the new whatever? And yep. they could do this, right? You could have a string of five different celebrities showing up in little cameos <laughs> with little hints of like, maybe, maybe it's Megan the Stallion. Maybe, maybe it's Madison. Who's the new Dazzler? And <laughs> right. like, you could totally hype it up. And I, I am here for that. That would be so. Megan the Stallion. <laughs> Megan the Stallion is the superior choice, but I don't know what her availability is. I guess is the only <laughs> thing I'll say. Um, but I will say that in the comics back in the 1900s, uh, basically Dazzler looked like Farrah Fawcett. Yes, uh, and she was a disco queen. And yep. I don't know what else there was to her, except for she had roller skates and a boombox and glitter everywhere, and yep. she could turn sound into light powers. For those of you who don't know what a Dazzler is. I thought I would give a little bit of background. That's all I remember about Dazzler. Uh, you know, um, that's all anyone remembers. That's why Megan would be great. <laughs> I, I think she would be fabulous. And, you know, no preconceived notions. And anyone that it would be mad at the pick of uh, Megan the Stallion, I'm fine not talking to. <laughs> uh, that was, I'm okay with that. But the, the other thing that I think that She Hulk is doing really well and. Mm. I'm not sure that the other Marvel ones have done as well is they're working hard to build a cast around her. It's not here is the actress who plays she Hulk and she has to be the workhorse of every show. It's uh, we can have a, a B plot and they can have, you know, there's other lawyers on her thing. She has a hilarious family that she has family dinners with that are embarrassing. It's great. I think that they have celebrity cameos <laughs> that mm -hmm. they've done a, a job of not having it be thin. I think if you have a story that's got in a half hour show. Yeah. If you have four characters who are sort of the ones that you have to care about the whole time, uh, my my wife described one of my many mysteries as it's all right, but it's too thin. It doesn't feel like there's a whole, it feels like a cast. It doesn't feel like there's a whole town there. Yeah. And this is working hard to have other people who are not, you know, these are, some of these lawyers are good lawyers. Some of these lawyers are jerks. Her paralegal is totally the best friend you want to have on a show. I just have to say, 
that I feel really sad about all the abuse that my name has taken over the last five or six years that, uh, that Dennis is not a good person on this show. And I personally offended. <laughs> and well, my first name is, well, we won't go into that, but let's just say that, that my name, <laughs> you've got a, well, you found yourself with a lot of, of, of work to dig yourself out of. <laughs> yes. That, uh, through no fault of my own, much to my parents' surprise. Um, there you go. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Bruce is two old school comic book uh, heroes. Bruce is a superhero in two different franchises. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm everywhere. I meet me and then see me and then my parents are the same. It's crazy. And his yes. last name's a dance and song yep. by Madonna. Yeah. And book and magazine. I got that in school all the time. <laughs> We all have crosses to bear. And, and I think for a se- I think we need to talk about Madison for a second. Okay. Because Madison is the character that is in movie after movie that is like drunken white chick. And yes. normally that character is played to be disliked in most cases. Yes. Um, it's not that way this time. And I think it's almost like if you look at Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, yeah. if Shaggy <laughs> were hanging out and the world were normal, Shaggy is a tough dude to be around because he has nothing to say to you. Uh, But when ghosts are about, he's great because he's a one dimensional character, but he knows his one dimension and he doesn't leave it. Nothing changes him. It doesn't matter how high the stakes are. Uh, Essentially, he wants safety. He's okay with his dog Scoob and he wants a sandwich. And there's something about it. There's like an ax murderer killing people. And he's still that way. He's like, man, this axe murder is real rough, but I would really like a sandwich now, Scoob. <laughs> that's one. And it's I think it's the same thing for Madison. That character that and that same actress has played the the joke that I saw, I think it was in the in the New Yorker or something, was like, she's played Madison like eight times <laughs> in just different things where she's like friend of bride number three and person with another weird spelling of their name, but it's always that same kind of like tipsy. A bachelorette party character. Um, there's something about seeing that character in in real rough situations people can't deal with, and then locking them to a more serious character to be the levity for a serious character that I think has shown us a magic. The chemistry between those two, especially yeah. in that sting after the in the mid credits, was amazing. Yep. 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 I think we are getting WandaVision had, and I can't remember their names. Uh, it was the agent that did the card trick. Woo. Yes. And uh, yes. what was her uh, name? He's such a, he's such a good quiet actor. Oh, the one with the glasses that everybody loves. Darcy. Yes. Darcy. Yes. And it was everybody. We still want to see our X file show. <laughs> with the two of them just like being people. I think you're going to get the same thing here. Uh, with Madison, where I think we just want just some kind of, even if it's just a series of shorts, where we just kind of see their friendship develop and we're happy about it. That is something I'm surprised that we're not surprised that we're not seeing a lot more of from Disney is out of series or out of movie shorts that like this is edited footage that just doesn't flow with the movie, not necessarily going to spoil anything. Let's just put some of this this gold out to generate buzz on YouTube or, you know, to put them out elsewhere. And and I have a feeling that especially with 
uh, Thor goats, what was it? Thor love and thunder mm-hmm. that, uh, that there's so much on the, on the floor there that got left on the cutting room floor oh, that yeah. they could easily do a couple of 15 minute shorts of stuff they, from that show. They might be blind to that opportunity because of the shorts that they make that are produced. You know, they've right. got the, their little Groot series and they've well, got and contracts uh, might be contracts might not allow it. It's like, Oh, we have paid yeah. you for this movie. We haven't paid you for these shorts. So maybe I also wonder if even in test screenings, like, do you know Madison's going to be as big as Madison's become? Do you know that Madison's going to be the zeitgeist of a week that when you get through that episode, that that's the person everyone's going to talk about? Can you tell that before it hits the world? Right. No, but you've still got the footage, even if it's been cut. I mean, true, 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 true. But I don't know how much of that there is. And, you know, but, but I hope that they find some more to mine here. Yeah. I think it I think that it's a valuable resource that they might not be aware that they have, you know. So that they yeah, that yeah, they've yeah. been uh, that they've been looking away from because they did have shorts of Thor uh and his room his apartment <laughs> <laughs> right <Yes. laughs> his apartment mate Dwayne or like whatever that. his name was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they th- uh, you know that but I think they think of that as sort of like a a, a build up to the movie, not a Yeah not its own thing, but with like the stings in uh, She-Hulk feel more like not necessarily an outtake, but possibly a, well, this was a scene that wasn't worth keeping the whole scene, but it's worth highlighting that we could, we can, we can bring up Captain America and did he actually ever, and then we can hit him with the sting. (laughs) Yes. Indeed. Bruce, did you have something else to say? No, I'm just going to tie it all up. I think really good show. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I keep seeing people be angry about it. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I, and I think it's manufactured outrage or people just very feeling insecure in themselves and that, that really those people need therapy. Now, I'm not saying that everybody <laughs> needs to love the show. That's, that is not what I'm saying. You can say uh, the special effects bug me because I get it. There are some yeah. hard special effects moments and if that's the flag that puts you over the line, not a problem. You can say, this is not my kind of humor. I don't like it. I have a well, well-known uh, aversion to excessively cringy humor, right? This is the, the awkward build-up humor, not yeah. my thing. So, which is one of the problems I had with Thor Love and Thunder is there was a lot of cringy uh, build-up humor in that. But uh, they, they got past it pretty quick. So, there are no requirements on you to like a show, mm-hmm. but there are some dumb reasons to hate a show that don't just have to go with, well, this is not to my taste, but you don't have to be a jerk about it unless, uh, unless it was the justice league movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how, like you say, it, it seems hard for it to be genuine outrage. It seems like manufactured outrage because like we've been saying, you know, there's a lot of other shows that you could be spending your time loving. You don't have to be oh, yeah. spending your time hating this one. <laughs> right. So are you familiar with a movie, Bob? Uh, he does YouTube. Am I familiar with a movie? Oh, a movie, Bob. The movie, Bob is a guy who does YouTube reviews and he's had shows uh, on a bunch of, you know, geek sites and stuff like that. <laughs> and he not too long ago did an episode where he was like, my most viewed episode was where he was bagging on 
Pixels, I think it was the Adam Sandler uh, yeah. Pac-Man comes to life movie or whatever it was. Yeah. And he's like millions of views, right? That is, I dined out on that one a lot and I kept getting contacted by publicists and, and agents and said, can you, know, you want to do this for us? And can you make more of this, this angry bashing content? Because this is where you get the numbers and this is, um, it's, it's a worthwhile video to see. I'll see if I can't find it and put, put it in the show notes. Um, but he's like, I am doing this kind of review and coverage because I genuinely love the, all the stuff we're talking about. I want to love all the DC movies. I want to love all the Marvel movies. I want to love all of these things like I do. Um, but I cannot allow myself to do that kind of outrage, but there are people who either aren't as self-assured as he was, who couldn't turn away that kind of money Mm -hmm. or, or who are just that bitter and angry in real life and are trying to take out their frustrations and inadequacies on other people that they are making their, their hay on this. That's how they get their fame is not by doing anything worthwhile, but instead just being jerks on the internet. And they get the views and they get the ad revenue and they get all that stuff. And it's tough to say you're doing the wrong thing except for your jerk. And so that's, that's how come it's a thing. There's money in it. Oh, I hate the algorithm. I hate the algorithm so much. You know, (laughs) we should make a podcast about how evil the algorithm is and we'll get lots of views for it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we studiously do everything we can to avoid becoming too popular. We like to be on the fringes of popularity and talk about stuff that we find amazing. Not, uh, we're not uh, going to sell out to evil anger, man. That's not our way. Except right. the next episode, we're going to talk about four reasons. I hate the algorithm. Number three is going <laughs> to blow your mind. <laughs> and if you'd like to sponsor the show, please contact. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, I think that that's, that's a pretty good wrap up. Uh, the only other thing I want to say is I can't wait for werewolf by night, uh, but we'll talk about that on another show, I guess. It has, there's so much potential in the idea. I feel. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, uh, Bruce, where are you to be found? Uh, Hey, I'm home. If you want to see me, come on over. (laughs) Not an invitation to Bruce's house. Where on the internet. Not an (laughs) invitation. Coincidentally, not an invitation to Bruce's house in real life. Bruce does not extend an invitation to you to his house in real life. But thank you very much. Feel free to reach him on Twitter at Bruce Go Thanks. Bob. Uh, I'm Bob Wyman. Also add Twitter. Nice. And I'm Donald Dennis. Once again, all over the wilds of the internet as well as video. Come and find me. Head over to InverseGenius.com. Check out our other cool shows. Uh, go over to our place on Facebook at the inverse genius group where we occasionally talk about stuff and you can tell us what you'd like to cover there, or you can email us at one of the emails that's probably in the show notes. Maybe. Uh, yeah. So that's it, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening. Bob, Bruce, thank you for hanging out with me for an hour or so. Bye-bye. It's been a delight. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.